0: Today's show is brought to you by FreshBooks.com. Get a 30-day free trial right now at GoFreshBooks.com slash film Again, that's GoFreshbooks.com slash session Film, and we thank FreshBooks for their support. <laughs>
1: I am Iron Man. This is a tasty burger. Welcome to the In Session Film Podcast.
0: Welcome to episode 294 for October 7th, 2018. I'm J.D. Duran. And I'm Brendan Cassidy. Thanks for joining us this week, everybody. Brendan, I just want to take another good
2: look at you. Does that mean my nose isn't too big? Um, Maybe. I don't know. It's been <laughs> way too long since I've seen you in person. I know. Like. It has been a while. At least you think yeah. I can make it. Then that's all that matters.
0: <laughs> well, either way, Brendan, you are a star in my eyes. And I'm mm. so happy to have you here as co-host. Oh. On this show (laughs) On this week's episode We are going to be reviewing The film that is taking The cinephiled world by storm And a star is born From director Bradley Cooper He also acts in the film as well alongside one Lady Gaga. And I'm sure we have a lot of thoughts on those two performances. Mm -hmm. Using that film as inspiration for our top three this week, we are going to be looking at our top three musical performances in film, specifically from non-musicals, excluding those traditional musicals. So like Singing in the Rain, nothing from Mm. that. Bet that was Uh, hard for you, J.D., Uh, Well, I mean, not so much because I think there's so much to choose from outside of those traditional musicals that it was hard enough just deciphering three from... You know those particular
2: films that we looked yeah. at. So I do, I do know that Singing that. in the Rain is one of your all-time favorite films, and that's what I was yep. getting at.
0: Absolutely, it is in my top ten of all time. So I do love that film quite a lot. Mm. Uh, during the break between our review and top three, I'll give my thoughts on a film that I saw this weekend called The Hate You Give, getting some pretty great reviews out there, and I'll. Yeah. Add my praise to that film as well. well spoiler, spoiler alert! There, so, uh, but yeah, some good stuff. We'll get to that later on in the show, and we'll round out this week's episode by talking about our poll, as we usually do. And this week, we are discussing the best remakes that are better than the original. At least mm-hmm. that is the overall consensus. It, yeah. There, sure, there is some debate depending on what oh, film sure. you're talking about, but. Um, should be a lot of fun. I'm very eager for our guest this week, Brendan. First time on this show, he was a guest on episode two of Chasing the Gold, our Oscars yeah. podcast hosted by Ryan McQuaid. But he's never been on our show here. And joining right. us this week from Awards Watch is Eric Anderson. Eric, welcome to the show, man.
3: Ah, wonderful! I am so excited to be here, and I will be the Sam Elliott to your baby <laughs> <and> Bradley Cooper. <laughs> I think your voice great. needs to deepen a little bit more before you can make that promise. I do actually have a bag of rocks over here, so I'll be arguing <laughs> very soon.
0: Maybe Eric doesn't have the voice, but he certainly has the prowess of a Sam Elliott. So. Nice transition <laughs> We are glad to have you here, Eric. Um, and how are things going your way? I'm, I'm sure it's very busy for you these days.
3: It is very busy. Uh, I just got back from Toronto a few weeks ago, which mm. was was incredible and had a fantastic lineup of movies. And for an awards watcher and uh, Mm -hmm. Oscar predictor, there isn't a better place to go. And Mm. so I'm in the middle right now of the Mill Valley Film Festival, which is my local Nice. Festival. I, li- I live in the uh, North Bay North of San Francisco In wine country So that's okay. my Oh wow That is my local jam Nice And it is It's a really Really great year This year And they've got Yeah Fantastic films And, and fantastic talent uh, I got to chat with uh, Herschel Ali
4: oh, a few man. days ago
3: wow. and then <laughs> with with Timothy Chalamet last night which, I saw that you know if if you can get a couple of words with Timothy Chalamet <laughs> and post that on your social media yeah, uh, he's got a fan base. You're a, <laughs> a megastar. I feel uh, like
2: your your life is complete, especially. So, and I've seen that video that you put up there, Eric, and I thought it was really great in of itself. But the fact that uh, Timothy Chalamet even kind of reverberated the conversation back at you, uh, complimenting your peach pin dude, as well, that was yeah. really great stuff to see. Yeah. I was
3: like, it was so funny, and I, I, I was like, okay, I'll wear the pin, and that's that's it, and it'll be like super subtle. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, da 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 da, talking, and. Pretty much, you know, like many young people, he was like, "Oh, something shiny," and just went like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" and said, "Can I take your phone?" And I'm like, well, of course you can. You're you can do whatever you want to me. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that is very exciting. Sounds like things are really going well for you these days. Uh, it is,
3: and it's a good festival. I will always yeah. plug the Mill Valley Film Festival. It is, mm. it's in its like forty-first year, and it's totally the kind of festival that just is so crucial for uh, small towns and small counties and and, and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, that it's, it's Mm -hmm. it's great.
0: Very good to hear. Well, we are happy to have you on this week's show, Eric. And if you're not following him, be sure to go and check out his great work. But for this week's show, we have a lot to talk about. I'm very excited to get into A Star is Born. So without further ado, gentlemen, let's get into it.
1: And here we go. Tell me something, girl. Are you happy in this modern world? Or do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? I'll follow.
0: You're listening to the Incession Film Podcast. This is episode 294. Brendan, I think you might be a songwriter.
2: Just don't tell anyone, all right?
1: I started writing this song the other day.
2: Maybe that could work, like as a chorus or something.
1: I'm off the deep end. Watch as I die. tell you a secret. I think you might be a songwriter. But don't worry, I won't tell anybody. But I'm not very good at keeping secrets. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, A Star is Born is directed by Bradley Cooper, his mm. first time behind the camera. Yeah. It also stars Bradley Cooper, not his first time in front of the camera, <laughs> but <laughs> and her Feature film debut, or at least a significant one. Lady Gaga is co starring. Yeah, 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 her lead. lead Yeah, for sure. Uh, It also. Features: Sam Elliott, as we mentioned in the intro, Andrew Dice Clay has a pretty interesting role here as well. If you're not familiar with A Star Is Born, you haven't been to the theaters in a long time. Uh, But just in case, it's about a musician who helps a younger singer and actress find fame, even as age and alcoholism sends his own career into a downward spiral. Okay, let's get further into it. We'll go to first, Eric. What did you think about A Star? is born
3: um, I think it's amazing I think it mm-hmm. <laughs> I was I was stunned actually at how good it was and I think I I mentioned this when when I had first seen it and the reviews had started coming out in that I think it surprised a lot of critics I think that they went in With a certain amount of cynicism and and judging about what they thought that it was going to be. You've got, Mm -hmm. you know, the fourth version of a movie. Yeah, Yeah, You have uh, a first-time actor-turned-director, which, you know, could be full of indulgences. You have uh, a singer doing her first uh, lead in a feature film. Yeah, yeah. And that could go a million ways, too. And... But the trailer was really, really great, and it was, it, yeah. you know, it has it has that that great crescendo from Shallow in there, and that was, I think, enough to 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 make people think, okay, maybe this is not going to be a total disaster. And then they came out, and I mean, really, the most cynical of critics that I follow were like, "This is amazing," <laughs> <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> and and with with no with no irony and no. Nothing at all. Yeah, sure. and and that is because it is an honest to goodness incredible film from the floor to the ceiling. the the level the technical level on this is uh, amazing. Yeah, from Matthew uh, Libatique's uh, cinematography mm. to the editing i mean everything is on point but i think the thing that's the most successful and what obviously needs to be the most successful for this movie is that all of the songs save the 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 couple of things early on uh, are original songs and they need to yeah. be yeah. they need to sound like the genre that they sound like without yeah. being clichéd in the wrong way and they are and you get that from the absolute very opening yeah with black eyes yeah. yeah which is such a banger oh my god
4: yeah.
3: Mm. yeah and that there. most of the songs in this could be hits on the radio at any various point in the last 10 or even 20 years uh yeah, it's sure. uh, it's i was i was stunned I was by by all of it, um, yeah. and as much as I love Gaga, and I will be a, a Lady Gaga stan and forever, and she is really, really, really good as an actress and 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 singer in this. Bradley Cooper just, I I I didn't, I couldn't believe what I was seeing and hearing, because I never, for one moment, didn't believe what I was seeing and hearing. Mm-hmm. For one moment, he was. It's it's the. It's one of the best musical performances from an actor that I've ever seen that is not a musician already. Yeah. And I think it's the best drunk performance I have ever seen in a movie in my life.
2: Whoa. Wow. Wow. Okay. Very, ever. very high praise. So
3: I, that is my thought. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well. I really a-
2: love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell that by your Good opening thoughts. Did you say you really love this movie? <laughs> uh. That's still really great to hear, though, and a lot of what I have to say about this film actually goes more toward Bradley Cooper, the director. As you said, this is his first time behind the camera, and only about 30 seconds into Bradley Cooper's take on this story, I knew I was watching something rather special. The energy, the rawness, and shakiness in the cinematography, the close-up shots of characters' faces— Cooper, alongside cinematographer Matthew Libatique, shoots the stage with a balance of flashy energy and intimacy, all of which are happening simultaneously during a performance of that Southern rock anthem, Black Eyes that you talked about earlier there, Eric, which is also one of my favorite songs in the film. And all of these songs were, for the most part, if I'm not mistaken, co-written by the actors themselves, so it also brings in yet another sense of authenticity to this film. You know, much like what Damien Chazelle brought to something like La La Land, A Star is Born represents a clear Balance between the old school and the new, equally old fashioned and indie at the same time. And this approach even continues through the meet cute that happens between Cooper's Jackson Maine and Lady Gaga's Alley. Their night together almost unfolds in real time with dialogue that feels organically spontaneous rather than scripted. In fact, if you told me that there was actually no script to the first act of this film, I probably would have believed it. And in this case, that's actually a compliment because without being told, we sense Jack's. fascination with Allie as a desire for normalcy from his broken and famed life, perhaps due yeah. to the familial longing from his own past. It all just feels so loose and so effortless. And the way that Cooper takes something so familiar and maybe even narratively contrived, if you want to call it that, and still makes it work. That's a huge credit to him, and I have to give a lot of credit to Cooper's direction for those reasons. This was becoming one of my favorite movies of the year. I will admit the second act does lose me a little bit. It's not really the familiarity of the script that I had an issue with. It's more so to do with pacing and maybe even Jay Cassidy's editing. There's a sense of progression that almost feels like like a piece of music in and of itself, but it does feel... At times, like a, like just one extended montage for me, like a series of interruptions, and I know a lot of people have liked this approach, and I may be in the minority on that, but I did find myself distancing a little bit from the film's emotional core at times, until the final act does bring it all back together with a finale that oozes with sadness and emotional ambiguity, and features an act that could be argued as sacrificial or cowardice or maybe even both, and I like that discussion that it offers. I don't want my issues with the second act to get me into trouble because I still really like this movie. I'm not sure if it'll end up as one of my favorites of the year, but it is very good.
0: Well, I will reiterate that this was one of my most anticipated films of the fall and winter season. Like everyone Mm -hmm. else, I saw this trailer a thousand times and I loved it each and every single time I did see it on Mm -hmm. its own. It's a gorgeous work of art. And I must say, while the film itself might not be as seamless as that trailer for reasons you just talked about, Brendan, Mm -hmm. This film is still very, very good. I really enjoyed my experience here as well. The first half, especially, is damn near perfection. If it's not perfect, it is quite easily some of the best filmmaking I've seen all year and of the last several years for a first time director. Probably for me, in my top two, three. Films I've seen in the incision film era from a first time director. I mean, he yeah. Cooper's direction here is great. It's it's so quite effortless stunning too. Yeah, absolutely. He stages the musical performances with extraordinary vigor. The music itself is great, as Eric was talking mm. about. The pacing, I think, is very sharp. The editing is incisive. The performances by Cooper and Gaga. Are astounding. Gaga, mm-hmm. in particular, is a revelation in this film. I'm with the chorus of praise regarding her yeah. very stellar and entrancing performance here. Um, and Cooper gives maybe his career best performance as well. I'm with Eric. Sure. I think he's really great, gives a very committed performance that I think renders some great emotion by the end. Most impressively, though, the way Cooper lingers on Gaga's face is breathtaking. To me, Mm. whether it be her moments of insecurity and hesitation or her artistic prowess. The camera loves her in this film, and she loves the camera back, and the results of that relationship evoke some of the most striking imagery I've seen in 2018. However, some of the second half does lose its muster. Uh, in regards to how jumbled the script and pacing becomes, the music shifts in focus, which is expected because of the nature of this story, but it does become a little less enthralling as Allie transforms into a pop star. I can sympathize with... Some people's criticisms that the storytelling is sloppy and thin once that transition in Alley takes place. But Mm -hmm. Cooper does something that I absolutely love from a direction standpoint. He basically gives this screenplay a middle finger a pretty He big does not one. care about it. Yeah. <laughs> does not care. This is the fourth version of this story. Cooper is very aware of this, and instead of focusing on plotting and making Allie's Rise to Stardom conventional, he turns his attention on what makes these characters so gripping. He becomes more interested in the human element of why they are suffering and how that affects their relationship. Maybe that doesn't work for everybody, but as a result, these are by far, by far the most fascinating characters of the four films for me. The mm-hmm. story may be thin in parts, but it never lacks in progression or nuance. And I think the music performances and direction more than make up for where the script lacks. Um, so consider me a big fan <laughs> as well. I highly recommend it. If, yeah. if I can I'm, jump
3: jump in on that, I think you mm-hmm. absolutely nailed, J.D., why uh, the the issue that people have that some people have with the second act and how Ali's transition happens, uh, isn't really an issue because yes, we know that she's going to go from her pop country to her, you know, pop dance career and it's going to be music that uh, she doesn't like and that it's not what she's really about. And I, at first thought, I I had the same the same thought. I was like, wow, okay. I really kind of wanted to see how the progression worked. It was like all of a sudden, you know, she has dancers and she's getting Grammy nominations, and it's but it happens very very quickly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but in real life, the ascension of a pop star can happen very very quickly. Sure, that's But fair. you're absolutely right in that what C- Cooper does in his version of this script, because it is you know, there's I think six or eight. A- credited people with the script that you have to also include you know previous script writers yeah, of previous sure. versions yeah, sure he absolutely does exactly the right thing and focuses the energy and the attention on that relationship and yeah. it's it's why for me the, the those script issues are not really issues for me because if, yeah. if they really if he really went Deep into that, we'd be looking at another 20 minutes and we'd have a movie that was two and a half to two hours and 45 minutes long. And that pacing, that pacing would be gone really at that point. Mm, Yeah.
2: Yeah, and to criticize the script itself as a problem, I almost feel like is kind of unfair, because this is a remake of a remake of a remake, after all, when you think about it. I think regardless of where the story was going to go, Cooper is going to feel somewhat pigeonholed to stick to the classic story, and that's going to be a fact no matter what. Like I said, really, my issues with the second act, I guess, more with regard to its pacing and editing, maybe sometimes suffer because of that. I find myself working hard to invest in one element of a scene, only for it to, almost feels like it cuts randomly to some other occurrence, and that did happen pretty frequently. But one thing that the second act never loses, which is why it's not the biggest issue uh, of sorts, is going back to the performances between Cooper and Lady Gaga, which still maintain that sense of authenticity. And the reason why Lady Gaga is so great here, as she transitions from country star to just straight-up pop dance star, as you were saying, Eric. And, you know, her transition into just the pseudonym Allie... It's very much a mirroring of Lady Gaga's own persona as an artist in real life. And yet, Mm -hmm. I still saw the character of Ali in that. Even in that Saturday Night Live performance that happens midway through the film, I still saw the character that she was playing. And maybe it's because it almost seems like a direct critique on the artificiality of the pop music industry itself. Maybe Gaga is inadvertently commenting on... Um, maybe aspects of her own career and i really like Mm -hmm. that about it too and i think that that transition is really neat and gaga's performance still is character driven and not too meta in that sense too i i completely
0: agree and because it's character driven that's what kept me invested at every turn in this film and i Mm. think Cooper's direction does a great job of never losing focus of that character, even though the storytelling can be contrived, maybe it lacks in some coherency, but Mm. I love that character and music drives everything in this film, and it starts from those opening scenes. That first night that Allie and Jack meet, they have this nice evening together, and most of that does unfold Mm -hmm. Authentically, I think. Yeah.
2: And I love how she's actually still aware of who he is. Yes, so the fact absolutely. that his fame is still very much known.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. But the next series of events involves Allie quitting her job flying to Jack's concert and going up on stage to perform a song in perfect harmony and precision despite the fact that they had never practiced the song together at all. Oh, I didn't. (laughs) But that's exactly what I'm trying to say. It makes no sense in terms of literal storytelling. But again, I love it because we know this story. We know how it plays out. So why focus on the mundane details when Jack tells Allie to trust him before she goes on stage, I think that's Cooper also telling the audience to trust him as well. And if you follow Mm -hmm. his vision and let go of traditional stereotypes or tropes in terms of narrative writing, I think the film is a powerful experience. It takes a familiar story and gives it a refreshing breath of new air. And you feel that when you get to that shallow sequence, when they begin to play that song, it's absolutely riveting, even though we had heard it in the trailer. You may have even watched the music video
2: on YouTube before seeing the film. It does not do it justice, not at all.
0: But when you watch it in the context of the film and how Cooper builds to it in his direction, it lives up to the hype in every way. It's still refreshing. It's wonderful. And that's this film through and through for me it, like that, that's i just i i was
3: i was just thinking the exact same thing about that sequence mm-hmm. and and actually you know the when you when you watch a trailer and you're always worried that you know the best parts are in the trailer mm-hmm. and you, you, the the two most memorable things in the trailer are you know that crescendo during shallow and yeah. the, the i want to take another look at you yeah and, and it's kind of easy to tease, the second one especially, but in the context of the movie, it's so completely different. I mean, yeah. especially yeah. that scene when, when he drops her off because the trailer yeah. cuts the very next moment out, which is, you know, in the trailer wouldn't make sense, but in context yeah. of the movie is, is why that scene is actually really wonderful and yeah. funny. Yes. Um, mm. But yes, seeing the entirety of getting her on stage... And the result, and and after, right after it, yeah. So, so much is beyond. It's it's so beyond what the trailer shows. Yeah, it's it's and it it is again like why I think people went in thinking one thing and coming out thinking another. Yeah, because it's it's just. that good.
0: And another piece of evidence of the character aspects of this film that we've been talking about that I love is as soon as that sequence, speaking of the shallow sequence, as soon as that crystallizes, we find out that you know someone posted that song on YouTube. And the very next scene is all about Allie's father, played by Andrew Dice Clay, reacting (laughs) to it. And he's so emotionally overwhelmed. And I like his performance there. And I like how Cooper takes his time to give us that. I feel like the film could have easily have edited that out of the film because this Mm. is already two hours and 15 minutes. And maybe you don't lose on the Allie and Jack relationship. But to me, that moment from Lorenzo adds nuance as far as this being about character. And it's about Allie's rise, it's about Jack's fall, but there's other players involved in the middle of that process that amplify that journey. And and it's what makes it even more refreshing, I think.
2: Yeah, and well, because that shallow performance is already so overwhelming in and of itself, emotionally overwhelming, to transition to someone expressing his own overwhelming reaction to it, Allie's father, it's almost necessary. And I think that's something that Cooper does a very good job. He takes what could be seen easily as an Narrative contrivances and actually transforms them into something with thematic purpose, and I think he does that very well throughout many moments, especially during that first half and Mm -hmm. how everything follows from that shallow performance. And as I've said, if you if you've listened to the song or seen the music video, I think the song is very good, but I think in the context of the film, there is something there that's that's just not captured if you listen to it outside the context of the film. And despite. The contrivances, as I've said, as someone that is a musician myself, there are things that people with very good ears musically can pick up on very spontaneously, and I was able to buy into it regardless. I think there are enough easy goings in the musical arrangement that actually make it acceptable narratively for me as well. So I think Cooper does a great job balancing that.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, when you listen to the lyrics and what Ali is saying in the song, Shallow, it completely makes sense of why the film skips over a lot of mundane details. I mean, she's literally diving into the deep end, you know, in terms of the storytelling. And I (laughs) I appreciate that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, and, and I guess speaking of some of these other supporting players, I mentioned the Lorenzo character, but. I cannot Mm -hmm. end this conversation and not mention the Bobby character played by Sam Elliott, who is a national treasure. Now, he doesn't have very many scenes in this film, but when he's on screen, he has a severe impact, at least I would argue so. There's one moment in particular in a truck between Elliott and Cooper that features some of the best acting you will see all year. Throughout the entire film, Jack and Bobby... Their relationship has been strained given their past together as brothers and the family turmoil they've been through. And this moment in the truck offers a bit of healing to the resentment that's been building in both of them. And as Jack is beginning to tell Bobby something very emotional, we see the cameras in the backseat focused on Jack who is talking to Bobby there. Jack then finishes his line He closes Mm -hmm. the truck door and begins to walk away and the camera then moves to Bobby in the front seat and Bobby in one seamless motion as the camera moves to him, he looks backwards as he begins to back out of the driveway and the look on his face is devastating. It is so, so good. If Sam Elliott is in this film for just that one brief moment, it was absolutely worth it he is a treasure Mm. and i loved him easily one of my
2: favorite film (laughs) moments i've seen all year yeah and it's all captured in what like five seconds without any words being spoken in that moment that's talent so that's the definition of acting talent
3: and he also has that 12 notes speech which is absolutely a beautiful piece of writing yeah and he is he's great wonderful in it
2: he is and it also does a great job complimenting um, the thematic progression of Jackson Maine's character too as he witnesses Allie's rise to fame and her continued success Jackson almost sees that as a way to phase out his own career and as you parallel that with his relationship uh, with Bobby you definitely see that his fame may have actually been more driven by someone that just wanted to not be noticed but be emotionally noticed familial uh, wise if that makes any sense and maybe that's something that was missing. He has a great uh, uh, confrontation with Bobby at one point in the film regarding his father's ranch. And there's a little bit yeah. more to it that we're never directly told why he behaves the way that he does. There's but some I great that ambiguity subtlety- there. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of my favorite moments of the film, which is why the first half is still very strong for it. And that confrontation, yeah. there it may not be as direct as the film is suggesting. And I like that about it. Yeah, I love how the film, even though there's not a ton of
0: screen time devoted to it, I still love how Cooper mm. builds that relationship because that first confrontation where Jack punches Bobby in the face there is some interesting nuance there there's some tension yeah but at the same time it's not a complete falling out of that relationship like the way right. Bobby reacts to him is and Jack even there's still a brotherly love there despite that tension and then you mm-hmm. get to that final scene of the film and what Jack has to say to him there, I think is very well earned because yeah. of the great performances of of this. Yeah, woman. some great themes around fatherhood, indirect fatherhood yeah, exactly. that I really love. I completely agree.
3: It's funny too because before the movie came out for premiered at Venice, uh we didn't know that Sam Elliott was playing Bradley Cooper's brother. Yeah. yeah. Most people thought that it was a father-son relationship. And the fact that it's a, a brother relationship is so incredibly crucial to the yeah, film. They even it, joke it about that though. It's yeah. almost it's, meta. They do joke about it. And it is actually the 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 core of Cooper's arc and his yeah. character mm-hmm. is yeah. that relationship. And it's I that was such a wonderful discovery too yeah. that, that that oh I just mm.
0: Yeah and that's what I love so much about Cooper's committed performance as well because he does a great job of not just tapping into that relationship and making that feel authentic. But his vocal performance, his mannerisms very much mirror Sam Elliott. And he goes out of his way to come to Sam Elliott's level so Elliott doesn't have to change who he is, which right. is great because we love Sam Elliott for who he is. <laughs> and Cooper brings a lot of credence that they are brothers. And I love that, mm-hmm. not just in how Cooper builds it in his direction, but his performance as we've been talking about is wonderful. Absolutely. Great. Yeah. All right, let's get two final thoughts. We'll go to you, Eric. Do you have any concluding thoughts on A Star is Born?
3: Uh, well, I know I... I. uh talked a lot about Cooper and how much I loved him and how wonderful he is. And I don't want to discount for a moment how great <laughs> Lady Gaga is sure. in this. Yeah. Um, not, not merely just for how uh, a, a, a singer who has a persona of so much uh, makeup and costuming and character uh, that she is absolutely stripped, stripped down to this this bare minimum and yes, it does mirror certain elements of her rise um, in but in a, d- a different way mm-hmm. but she she approaches this like an actress. she approaches this uh, so honestly and genuinely and her reactions yeah. are really really real yeah and 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 that her timing is really good. Uh, and and I think it was just like one of those things where you're just going, oh my god, this is this is real. She's she's the real deal. If she never does another you know lead performance again, I'd be totally fine with that. Mm, if we yeah. if we only had this, and she yeah. might not. She might you know she's got a, a really varied yeah. career, but yeah. Um, I just I I was so I was so impressed with how invested she is in this and like you mentioned earlier because all of the songs are are written or co-written by both cooper and gaga with other people as well like mark ronson um
4: mm-hmm.
3: that that investment is is there they are they are singing things that they know and understand even when it's something uh cheeseball like uh, why did you do that on SNL? Which is yeah. a hilariously dumb song, um, <laughs> yeah. but I
2: think it's supposed to be. Yeah. But
3: it, oh no, it, it absolutely yeah. is supposed to be. But yeah. it is also something that could fit into top forty <laughs> radio. Yeah, very much. <laughs> at, at, <laughs> yeah. at at a at a time like now. Um, yeah. So I I just I just think that they both have they had such a clear understanding of what they were going to do and what they wanted to do. Yeah. And, and I'm just, I am so gobsmacked at how great their chemistry was. Yes. And, and, and just that she was able to, I I mean, I want to say this in the, in the right way, but able to rise to the level of somebody that is already a seasoned actor. Yeah. And, and just go toe to toe. And she does with him. And it's, It's amazing.
2: Yeah, Yeah. and I just want to echo again from my final thoughts how great Cooper is able to manipulate certain contrivances in the script to his advantage, especially for a first-time director. I mean, well, there's one character confrontation at the end of the film that does lead to the film's final devastating act. That didn't really work for me, but there's a final performance afterwards that does (sighs) kind of make up for a lot of that too that I won't get into too many details on. I will simply say this vaguely, and if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about. It features one of my favorite jump cuts that I've seen in recent memory to a moment back in time that relates to that song, and it's yeah. perfect editing in just that one second, so I wanted to give yes. some uh, shout-out there. Um, yeah, how, how much of a gut punch is that edit? It's that, devastating. That edit is it's pretty so much good. Oh, God. Yes. Yeah, it really is, and that <laughs> saves any type of concerns I may have had about leading up to that final act, and as I said, there's still some things about the second act that I'm not quite sure about with regard to its pacing and editing that keeps me from loving this film as much as I would want to, but I still really do like it overall. Now, the last thing I do want to say, and I can't believe we haven't talked much about this yet, but I want to throw out some of my other favorite songs from the soundtrack here. Now, we we haven't really talked much about some of the other songs here. We did mention Black Eyes earlier, which I agree, Eric. It's something that could be seen as a hit today because it captures where modern-day country music is ultimately going. It's very raw in the ways that artists like Chris Stapleton and Jason Isbell are. It reminded me even Mm -hmm. a little bit of Sturgill Simpson. It has that kind of like that alt country kind of influence to it and I really like that about it too songs like Alibi is all, are there also some of my favorites too maybe yeah. it's time performed by uh, Bradley I Cooper as well. I love that song yeah. yeah coincidentally written by Jason Isbon I just mentioned him earlier yeah. so those are probably the ones that stuck out to me the most shallow in the context of the film may be the one that's probably my favorite in its utilization it's very of it yeah yeah um, on its own terms I think there are still better songs outside of that one but the soundtrack Overall, very strong stuff. I've been listening to it nonstop. I don't know about you guys,
0: but
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, nonstop. That's like all. I'm like that. It was really breaking my heart that that opened like the or the that came out the same day as shares album and I'm like, yeah. Oh my god, this I, how 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 much gay overload can I possibly? get? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: Uh, I will echo what you're saying though, Brennan. About this soundtrack, it, it is very good, and I really do like Shallow a lot as well. But I do think mm-hmm. my favorite two on the soundtrack are Maybe It's Time and Always Remember Us This Way. Uh, uh, also, I very good. I love those two, but also I'll Never Love Again for reasons that we were just talking about. There's a great cut at the end of that song that's wonderful, but Gaga and the mm. way she taps into the emotional vulnerability of Ali in the moment is so yeah. great. It is, it is so great. And I think it's what makes that cut uh, very well earned in its emotion. Yeah. So um, just adding another level of poignancy to it. Um, as far as some other final thoughts, Brendan, you were mentioning that there's a moment of tension between Cooper's character and another character that we'll leave out because he's probably one of the least interesting new aspects to this film for me. But um, I will say though, that moment of tension did work for me for the most part because this film talks heavily about finding your own voice and having something to say. And there's some conflicting versions of that between Allie and Jack throughout the film that leads to some arguing, some conflict between those two characters. And of course, Jack's alcoholism only amplifies that disparity between the two of them. And when Jack has that interaction with that other individual, it does offer an epiphany that I think taps into those notions in some great ways that mm-hmm. also adds more nuances and more emotion to the final actions of the film and, and that final yeah. song sung by Gaga. So I did appreciate where that turns the Cooper character and also because it's different than the other three versions. This is, it is you know, yeah, for as, as familiar as this story is, the ending of this film isn't quite anything we've seen before um, in the Star is Born quadrilogy, if you will. So. <laughs> in the
2: Star is Born cinematic universe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, yeah, and it, I is guess, an,
3: it is an extremely brave ending. It is.
2: It is. Yeah, I agree yeah. with yeah. that too. And I do agree with you, J.D., how that confrontation does push the Jackson main character to that revelation yeah. as devastating as it is, I guess I maybe, you know, subjectively speaking would have preferred to see that character maybe realize that a bit more sporadically rather than have a character kind of tell him that. Um, but at the same time, well, it's it, the, 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 trajectory is still kind of necessary yes. in
0: some way. I think it just makes sense for me because Jack is coming off of some self rehab. He's trying to turn the page in his life. So mm-hmm. for that moment to occur, I think you need it in that context. Otherwise, I don't know if he has that epiphany, given some of the okay. better decision-making that the character had been taking on. So okay, I think fair. you needed kind of that shove, even if it is a bit abrasive, maybe a little contrived. I think in the context of this story, it's, it's necessary. But because okay. of Cooper's performance and how he builds that character how he builds the central relationship between Jack and Allie i think where that leads jack it's it's obviously heartbreaking and it just adds a level of poignancy we hadn't seen in these films before so mm-hmm. i and again that just speaks to not just the overall performances but cooper's direction which might be my favorite of all of them as well. He's so good mm. in this film from a direction standpoint and from an acting standpoint. And and it's also mm-hmm. interesting too in his direction that for as raw and gritty as things get in that back half, it's quite energetic and vibrant in that opening act. Yeah. And I loved that duality and that progression. I think it's, you know, for the for as extreme as maybe the opening is, Tonally, to where we get at the end, it mm-hmm. obviously, there it makes a lot of sense along that way, despite sure. those narrative gaps. Yeah. Um, I also want to say, you guys mentioned the Saturday Night Live sequence. That's also one of the more remarkable scenes in the film for me as well, because it is this moment where we're supposed to be rooting for Allie. She's finally getting into her stardom. And yet that song that she sings, it's kind of cringeworthy, but also believable. And mm. so when you see Jack kind of turn away from it, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm glad to hear you guys say what you did, because in the moment, I wasn't sure if it was just my subjective taste as far as
2: yeah. I kind of hate this song, but maybe I'm supposed to, or maybe yeah. I'm not. I don't know. So, Well, it <laughs> so is kind of confusing there. I will say there are moments in Cooper's direction and certain things he chooses to employ from a choreography standpoint, where the dance routine that Allie is performing with her dancers, it's obviously... Interjecting with the way she holds the microphone, so it looks very much like sh- like she's actually lip syncing at points. Yes. I actually thought that was going to be a conflict in the movie, and we were going to see like another <laughs> Ashley Simpson moment in this movie or something. But I th- yeah. I think it's a very deliberate touch, and that's why I think like what Eric and I yeah. were saying, it's meant to evoke a sense of uh, this doesn't feel genuine. Yeah, exactly. Well,
3: and it's really great too because that that song is a satire of. Of Gaga herself,
0: yeah, uh, I, kn- I thought that in, as well. Yeah,
3: especially in her her early career when she yeah. did really become Lady Gaga, and it's yeah, I mm-hmm. mean she has you know lines that are as equally kind of like cheeky and and dirty. Yeah, uh, you know I yeah. want to take a ride on your disco stick. <laughs> that would fit absolutely perfect in this yeah. song too. It would. Yeah. So yeah, it's a very very clever it is conceit. to be able to write and perform the song. This was the only song co-written by Diane Warren, by the way. Yeah. yeah, Uh, And make it so, yes, we're supposed to not like it, but yes, we're supposed to also have it be a callback to Gaga. And we're supposed to be feeling a lot of things at the same time. And it really, really does that. It does. And Mm -hmm. if I may circle back to just a couple of song comments too, um, I really love that the soundtrack offers two versions of I'll Never Love Again. It has the film version with that cut that we were talking about earlier, plus an extended version without uh, that in it. And it's uh, very consumable in that way. And fun fact, Um,
0: when I listened to both of them, I cried both times. uh, (laughs) Not really a fun
3: fact, but a fact nonetheless. Speaking of crying, the song that I keep coming back to most right now is uh is that all right okay Um, yeah Mm. i i have i have not been able to listen to that without just like screaming it in the car and crying in the car (laughs) (laughs) i I think it has some of gaga's best vocals ever Uh, of her career wow and it is it just it shatters me yeah. It is, yeah. Oh it's God. so soulful. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's it's
0: heartbreaking. She she's a powerhouse in this film. I mean, and not just in terms of the musical prowess she brings to this film, but like you guys were saying, as an actress, she is equally on par with Bradley Cooper, a veteran actor who, as I stated, I think he gives maybe the best performance of his career in this film. And I think it's not even close for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I'm, I'm with you. And I think Gaga is on par. I think she's on equal playing ground and is great. Absolutely great. I would love to see both of them get nominated for Oscars for sure. Um, Mm. As far as my final, final thoughts on this film, I just want to quickly say that drunk Bradley Cooper (laughs) might be my favorite Bradley Cooper. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's quite funny in this film in places as well. So Um, with all of that said, we all very much recommend this movie. So uh, you can... (laughs) You could go read our full review of this up at InSessionFilm.com. And I have thoughts, further thoughts on this up on Letterboxd as well if you want to continue the conversation there at letterboxcom slash InSessionFilm.
2: But we'd still love to hear from you if you agree or disagree with what we just had to say about this iteration of A Star is Born. Let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash InSessionFilm. You could tweet us directly at InSessionFilm or leave us a comment on our Google Plus page or email us directly at Incessionfilm. Sessionfilm at gmail All right, stay tuned. We are going to take a quick break here.
0: During the break, I will give some thoughts on The Hate You Give. And on the other side, we
2: will get into our top three musical performances in film. How much do you want to bet, J.D., that if Bohemian Rhapsody comes up, we're going to be headbanging just like Wayne and Garth? It very much could be
0: true. And it might be the only positive version of that song we see in 2018, according to you. So (laughs) harsh. (laughs) We'll see. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
1: Nobody knows what ways for the dead Nobody knows what ways for the dead Some folks just believe in the things they've heard and the things they're Nobody knows what ways for the dead I'm glad I can't go back to where I came from I'm glad those days are gone gone for good But if I could take spirits from my past and bring them here you know I would know I would. Nobody speaks to God these days Nobody speaks to God these days.
0: The Inception Film Podcast is brought to you by our great friends over at the First Time Watchers Podcast. And, Brennan, we just got done talking about A Star is Born. And I got to say, just like that film, when you listen to the First Time Watchers Podcast, oftentimes it feels like there's gaps, but at the end, who cares? You just Mm -hmm. love the characters involved and it's very satisfying.
2: I feel like the title of that movie that we just reviewed, Stars Born, is a perfect representation of the people over at the First Time Watchers podcast because they are certainly stars in the film podcasting world. A great supporter of our show, definitely a podcast that you have to check out. Hosted by Tim, Walter and Hermano, and they are stars in how much they know their movies.
0: They do know their movies. On their latest episode, they talked about the Jeremy Saulnier film, Hold the Dark, Mm -hmm. which we talked about on our show last week with one of their co-hosts and Walter, so we already knew what he was going to think. It was all up to Hermano and Tim to offer
2: something more to that review, and I will say, I think they lived up to the bill. I think they did too and every week they'll pick out a movie like that that they've never seen before whether they're new or old or just on any of their respective lists of shame. They'll discuss it and give a real fresh perspective to that film and on top of that they'll discuss other movies that they've caught up with and even some movie trailers that may be worth talking about as well. Very well-rounded in the film world. Absolutely and
0: they give out some great recommendations at the end of their show that I would also pay attention to and overall it's a very smart show. It's plummy. It's penetrative, it's provocative, mm. sometimes even perky. Wow. That sounds love like them. you just
2: described my relationship <laughs> with one Tim Costa. <laughs> So Brendan, where can you find these guys on the internet? You can check them out at firsttimewatchers.podbean.com. Hit them up on Twitter at First Time Watchers or on Facebook by simply searching for First Time Watchers.
0: And go subscribe to them on iTunes. And while you are there, please leave them a review. Let them know how much you love them. And at the end of your review, we ask that you leave a little hashtag so they know we sent you to them. Mm-hmm. And this week, let's go with the hashtag #HoldTheTim. Which could be positive or negative, depending on how you look at it. For me, it's let's hold the Tim. Like, you know, (laughs) hold the cream. I don't need the
2: cream. Wow. (laughs) This just got disgusting fast.
0: So, either way, (laughs) hold the Tim. That's what we're going for this week. Let's go with that. Uh, But go and check out these guys. We promise you'll love them. Again, that's first time watchers.
1: First man to walk on the moon. That'd be something. We've chosen a job so difficult, requiring so many technological developments. We're going to have to start from scratch.
2: The trailer there for First Man, starring Ryan Gosling as one Neil Armstrong. The story of his trip to the moon, directed by Damien Chazelle. Maybe we could call this film Jazz in Space, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen the film, so I don't know how apt that is. JD, I know you've already seen the film. You've posted some thoughts on Letterbox already. You have a lot that you're going to want to get into when we talk about this next mm-hmm. week on episode 295. And I'm excited as well to see Damien Chazelle veering away from the musical path to a very different path of sorts, and it looks like it's going to be a winner, according to you, at least.
0: Yeah, this is going to be a very, very different Damien Chazelle experience, at least varying away from the musical side of Damien Mm Chazelle. I wouldn't call this jazz in space. I think it's something else in space, but I'm hesitant to use... The term that our great friend Matt Neglia has used, I think he describes it pretty aptly if you want to go and check out his Twitter feed, okay, but I feel like it's somewhat of a spoiler if you go and check that out, at least vaguely speaking. I don't okay. think Matt is giving away the film, but what surprised me the most about First Man is that it has a rawness to it that I did not see coming. I expected the film, technically speaking, to be great, and it is, but the film is a lot more than just the journey to the moon, if you will. There's a lot more to it, and I did not know that going in, so I think if you go in as blindly as possible, perhaps you'll have the same reaction to it as I did. So I'll leave it at that. I'll just say that I'm very excited to talk about this next week. If you follow me on social media, if you follow us on Letterboxd, you already know how I feel about the film overall. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, there will be a lot to talk about, for sure.
2: I look forward to talking about it as well, so be on the lookout for that. I cannot wait to see what Damien Giselle has up his sleeve that isn't related to jazz music, so looking forward to that one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let's take this time here to plug our latest Extra Film podcast, Mm -hmm. where Ryan joined you, Brendan, to talk about the film Lizzie, starring Kristen Stewart. I haven't seen the film, but you Mm -hmm. two seem to be mixed on it
2: positive to mixed mixed with a lot of admiration for especially for chloe sevigne's performance who really is the star of the movie um but there are elements to it that i guess we wish were a little bit more in focus and you'll have to see the movie to maybe get what we're talking about if you agree with us on it
0: yeah absolutely so i do want to see that film i haven't had a chance yet but hopefully soon i will get to see that film Mm -hmm. um in the back half though of that extra film i was there to talk with you about Jeremiah Zager's We the Animals. We had a lot of great things to say about that film, and Mm -hmm. hopefully, people get something
2: insightful out of that conversation. I I thought it went pretty well. I think it did too. It's one of those conversations, JD, where I actually found myself liking the movie quite a bit more just because of our conversation Mm. on it. And I was already very high in the film coming out of the theater. I just wasn't sure how high or why I was high on it. But that conversation (laughs) is making me consider it as one of my favorites of the year now
0: yeah it solidified things a little further for me as well I was already a big fan of it but now I'm much more confident that it's going to be or at least as of right now it's in my top 20 somewhere so Mm. I am a big fan of that film very much do recommend it Um, so go and check out this week's extra film we hope you enjoy it as well Mm -hmm. on this week's extra film we are going to be talking about the sisters brothers Starring Joaquin Phoenix and John C. Riley. Mm-hmm. A lot of early good
2: reviews for that film. So yeah. positive buzz. So and it makes me so upset that I don't have it in my area yet.
0: Yeah, so I do have it. It's showing in one theater. So I'm gonna try to make mm. that work for extra film this week. And we are also gonna be talking about a new film up. On Netflix right now. It's called A Private Life, mm-hmm. which has been getting pretty good reviews of its own. Probably yeah. not as known to the cinephile community, but um, mm-hmm. I think after this next week or so, it perhaps will get some more buzz. So We do plan to so. talk about both of those films, um, and I do look forward to it. Speaking of movies, though, that are going under the radar, I got a chance to see George Tillman Jr.'s Latest film, The Hate You Give, starring Amandla Stenberg and Regina Hall. And Russell Mm -hmm. Hornby, Anthony Mackie, has a small role in this film as well. It's written by Audrey Wells, who recently passed away over the last weekend. There was some horrible news that... Uh, she had died. I'm not exactly sure on the details on that, but the timing yeah. of her death with the release of this film is is tragic.
2: It really is. May her rest in peace as well. She was a great talent, you know, from a, from a screenwriting standpoint too. You know, writing some pretty you know underrated romanticism movies like Under the Tuscan Sun with Diane Lane. She also wrote, or at least co-wrote, the script for one of my childhood favorite movies. George of the Jungle with Leslie Mann and Brendan (laughs) Fraser. That is actually a very funny movie. So I do want to give her some credit as a great writer for being a very diverse writer. If you look at her filmography, Yeah. yeah. We certainly lost her very early. Yeah, well, the hit you give,
0: very very, very different than George of mm. the Jungle. Oh yeah, um, this is a pretty potent experience. I really like this film a lot, and it's one of the biggest surprises of the year. I did see this trailer some time ago. It looked like it was going to be relevant in terms of its social commentary, yeah. but perhaps
2: preachy and maybe its yes, relevancy. The trailer kind of put yeah. me off a little bit.
0: Yeah, in terms of the execution of its themes, it did seem a little bit tacky based off of the trailer. But this. Was much more grounded than I anticipated. Now, it nice. certainly is tacky, it sometimes is a bit on the nose, and that is my biggest criticism of the film overall. I do think it's a great experience. Okay. It's- Visceral in its tension at times. It's very emotional in the punches that it delivers there. But yes, its messaging is sometimes a bit too heavy handed, mm. um, especially when you compare it to something like Blind Spotting from earlier this year, which is much more organic and natural okay. in its rhythms and how it progresses its themes and its characters. And there are parallels thematically and even in terms of the surface level narrative of blind spotting to the hate you give that said though i don't think those criticisms hinder the hate you give all that much this film still packs a mighty punch it's remarkable Mm. i love the immediacy of the film it's it's quite palpable the film is emotionally exhaustive in a great way it's i mean you will walk out of this film with uh with your body kind of Hunched over, just like oh my gosh, I just went through a roller coaster of a ride, and I think that speaks to not just the writing of the film by Wells, but uh, Tillman Junior's direction. I think is great as well, and the performances across the board are very, very good. Amanda Stenberg, I'm not too familiar with her work overall, but this Mm. has been a great year, I think, for young female leads, especially female actresses that are coming into their own. When you think about Leave No Trace, 8th Grade, Hearts Beat Loud, and Now the Hate You Give, I may even be missing a few others, but Mm. Stenberg is very, very good. When she's asked to Mm. be dramatic, she gives a lot of credence to that. She's also just very charming and fun to watch on screen. Yeah, As much as I love her in this film, though, Russell Hornsby, who plays her father, is so great. He's especially very powerful in this film as a man who's been a victim of the social structures that he finds himself in. And that in itself is heartbreaking in how he talks to his kids about some of the experiences he's had. Um, But at the same time, he's someone who is trying to overcome that. He's trying to make the right decisions. And I think Hornsby Rides that line so tremendously well. There's one movie in the scene where he lines up his kids and he talks about why he named them the way he did, and it is it is so poignant. It is so emotionally affecting, and he's he's just great. Um, mm. I think the performances across the board. Regina Hall is also very good in this film. So great, yeah. I very much recommend the Hate You Give. Please go and seek it out if you can. I know it just had a small release. It's trickling out. I think more and more. So. Hopefully Mm -hmm. it opens up in your area if you don't have it already. Uh, Last Mm -hmm. thing, and then we'll move on to the top three here. Um, I do want to plug episode two of Chasing the Gold once again. We did mention this last week on the show, but since Eric is here joining us, it just feels appropriate that we should plug that show since he was on that show with Ryan McQuaid as they talked about the best actor and actress races of... 2018. So yes, Mm -hmm. they did talk about Lady Gaga. They did talk about Bradley Cooper a lot more on that show in terms of awards. So please go and check that out. And you can listen to that show by subscribing to our iTunes feed or our Spotify or SoundCloud, or you can just go to In Session Film
2: What's up, home trees? It's me, Chris. And Corey. And Donnie. From the More Gooder Than podcast. For each episode, the three of us pick a thematically similar movie. Like Dances
3: with Wolves, The Last Samurai, and Avatar. Or Deep Impact, Armageddon, and Space Cowboys.
1: And then duke it out until one movie is crowned most goodest. Three movies enter, one movie leaves. Ironically, Thunderdome was not the winner when we tackled the Mad Max trilogy. You know why, right? I... Oh, yeah. We don't need another Hero.
3: <laughs> hey, uh,
1: where can people find more gooder than? You can find us on Twitter at MGT Podcast, our website, mgtpodcast.com, and on Instagram and Facebook at more gooder them. We're on iTuneslash Apple Podcast. You can find us on Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, and any other podcatcher that you can think of. Remember, it's not just good, it's more gooder than.
0: This podcast is a proud member of the Podfix Network. Find the network at podfixnetwork.com.
2: You're listening to the Inception Film Podcast. This is episode 294 and inspired by our discussion of A Star is Born. We decided to utilize that for our top three this week, talking about our top three favorite musical performances in movies, but specifically for non-musicals. And I also want to emphasize a little bit, J.D., when we posted this topic on Twitter, we seemed to get a lot of varying answers maybe some people thinking it's about acting performances in music-based films or actual music performances themselves when we talked about putting this topic in place we focused on the music performances themselves and not necessarily the acting performance as a whole now there will certainly be some crossover with those ideas but you know this is our time to talk about you know almost like, like, you know, like concert-like and music-based performances in film, which we haven't really talked about much yet.
0: Yeah, this is going to be less about the acting, although that is certainly a part of it, and more so mm-hmm. scenes, moments where the music comes alive in these films. So as we right. talked about, the shallow sequence and A Star is Born, we're considering Certainly more that than yeah.
2: the entirety of someone's performance. Absolutely. And more on that later, we'll have some specific criteria that we utilize when picking our respective list, but let's get right to it. Eric, our esteemed guest here, man, did you have any criteria in place for your list? And why don't you go ahead and jump oh into gosh. your number three pick that you have?
3: So because the criteria is... Uh, non musicals. It's it. It makes it a little tough because it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It it eliminates you know in it, decades and decades of of movie musicals, which is fine. It's yeah. You know it's a it's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, I I do I do wonder if the nineteen fifty four Star Is Born qualifies or doesn't qualify. I don't think it's really a musical because it is not the traditional. I would agree. Into, yeah. Into song. Um, but I think I'll, I'll hold on to that for for just a moment. Okay. Um, so what I did was I I looked at I looked at films and it's definitely a much more contemporary list than I was expecting to when okay. I when I went into mm-hmm. this. Uh, but I'm okay with that. And mm-hmm. and I I looked at things that were in service to the story. I looked at things that had. Uh, Movies that weren't even actually necessarily musicals in or even made sense to have a musical sequence, but did anyway. Mm. Okay. Uh, and then things that, uh, things that did things that were about the music industry or something, but still, uh, we're not a traditional musical okay. so that's that's kind of where i went all okay. right
2: good to hear and what do you have at number 3 then oh my god <laughs> the hard part the hard part weighs in hey you joined the <laughs> show you signed on for
3: it so <laughs> i uh, so i like i said uh, offline i have at least like a dozen things in front of me yeah. and yeah. and i don't know what i'm going to say until i say it i have a top 4 which is breaking my heart right now to try and drop <laughs> off one of these because each yeah. of them has an emotional uh connection to its film that Mm -hmm. is indelible and i Mm -hmm. think that was the i think i think in just saying that i know the one that i'm going to drop okay okay all right my number three is carrie mulligan's new york new york in shame
0: oh Oh, man. man That's great. great. Pick. Yeah.
3: It's 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 a thing where you know that she is a singer. She's not, you know, super successful or anything. She's a, a club and hotel singer. But her her take on New York, New York is heartbreaking and mm. sad and depressing and melancholic uh and I love when when a, a cover takes a song that has a specific tone or a traditional tone in New York. New York is a very upbeat song and flips it and turns it into something that speaks more to the narrative of the story in the film that, that Mm -hmm. it's in, uh, and I, I just think it's I think it's stunning. She's so good in it. Oh my god.
2: Yeah, so good. One of her best performances, if you ask me. And to be perfectly honest, this is probably still my favorite film directed by Steve McQueen, if I do say so myself. I really think it's top notch. And this scene is it's so poetic in its musicality. Um it's a pick that would probably not qualify for my top three and I'll get to that later as far as my own criteria but needless to say it's one I definitely did think about
0: yeah this is a great moment and one that went over my head didn't even think about it but how dare you glad glad it made Eric's list here that's great stuff there (laughs) yeah I I hope we I hope we
3: have nine different films nine different things Uh, that'll
2: be great well what I'm worried about is JD and I think a lot alike (laughs) when it comes to certain things around music so I don't know if we want to make that bet just yet Eric
3: I'm gonna predict that we're that we're I'm going to make a bold prediction out of nowhere that we might all have at least one of the same film.
0: Okay. okay. Should be fun. I look forward to seeing how this This unfolds This is going to be fun now. now. I'm kind of anxious. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, as far as my criteria, I wanted to focus on not just the actor's performance within the context of the film, as we said, but their ability to perform the music itself and how the film utilizes that to make great musical moments. And the characters had to be musically involved actually performing the music. So something like Tiny Dancer from Almost Famous would not qualify for me as they did not perform that song as much as they just uh, sung along with it on the radio. Yeah. I also wanted to consider the filmmaking craft as well, how the camera is employed, how the technical components make it a richer overall experience. I did not distinct between original songs or pre-recorded music. Any of that qualifies as long as the characters are performing it. That was the major thing for me. Um, And as far as my last caveat here, I did not consider documentaries, I think, featuring real musicians playing... Their real music is a little
2: bit unfair, although there's some great documentaries out there. Basically, Uh, concert films, maybe something like Jonathan Demi's Stop Making Sense or The Last Waltz by Martin Scorsese. What about mockumentaries, though? That
0: that was exactly what I was going to say next. So mockumentaries, though, (laughs) does count. (laughs) I did consider them because those are actors pretending to be musicians. So mockumentaries for me does qualify. That said, for my number three, and also, I guess before I get into it, I also realize that my list is a little bit contemporary as well. And I don't know if that speaks to how great music and movies has been over the last 20 years, or maybe I'm just letting some older films slip through the cracks, or maybe I just have more blind spots than I realize. I don't know. I, mm. I just feel like as I did research for this, most of the quote unquote music movies from the last... You know, 60, 70 years, I feel like we're more of the traditional musicals. So perhaps you guys can highlight some blind spots Mm. for me as we go along here. But for my number three, I'm going back to the year 2014 and I'm going with Damien Chazelle's Whiplash. And specifically, I'm talking about the final scene of the Mm. film, this riveting back and forth that we see between uh, Fletcher, played by J.K. Simmons, and Miles Teller, who is the drummer in this jazz band. And Andrew, throughout the entire film, he's driven. He's very ambitious. That's a heavy theme throughout this film. He's not great at making friends or having girlfriends. He just wants to be a yeah. great drummer. But then but then he comes across the Fletcher character who wants to crush his dreams <laughs> and hopes at every turn. And <laughs> that boils over in the last scene of the film where... It becomes this three-act structure itself. It's this poetic back and forth where we see Fletcher as this very strict uh, composer is going up against this ambitious Mm. drummer. And that back and forth, I think, is some of the most riveting filmmaking I've seen of the last decade. It might be arguably top five endings for me of movies I've seen this decade. I think it's that good. Sure. It's, it's really, really great. And as far as musical moments in films go, actors performing music, I think it that back and forth amplifies the music. It makes it more interesting and compelling to listen to and just amplifies the quality of everything happening in that moment on stage mm-hmm. as they're playing that jazz there. So for me, uh, Whiplash is
2: there sitting at my number three. It's a really incredible moment and a very tense moment as well. And it's also one of those moments I just love to knock anyone that calls out the contrivances and how it plays out, which I can certainly understand. But if you went to a jazz related school and you studied jazz you know that song, Caravan. That mm. is a jazz standard, and that was why I was able to get around it, and needless to say, just the filmmaking behind it saves anything that you can argue against it. Really, really great stuff. That is a nice transition into my criteria. I'm very much with you in a lot of ways, J.D., as far as the, uh, the craftsmanship that's basically being employed to emphasize the musicality of these scenes, um, and specifically, I want to look at songs that are not just performed in the movie, but also written and performed for the movie— so So I guess I'm looking a little bit more original songs than anything else. So cover songs... Uh, I'm actually choosing not to include. Okay. So let's say, okay. for instance, um, the Johnny B. Good sequence from Back to the Future, yeah. an amazing sequence. Yeah. I'm not going to include that personally. Um, okay. The New York, New York sequence from Shame that you brought up earlier, Eric, also one mm-hmm. that wouldn't qualify for me personally. Um, so I just wanted to focus on that specific idea. I am including biopics though, because a lot of those songs, while they are pre re- pre existing, they're not cover songs in the world of that respective film so i am still considering biopics as well okay for my number three pick i promised myself i was not going to include anything from this masterful coen brothers movie, but i need to talk about (laughs) inside lewin davis for a second now there are a lot of songs from inside lewin davis that are traditional folk arrangements you know songs like hang me oh hang me or uh fare thee well yeah those wouldn't qualify for me however Please Mr. Kennedy was written for this movie yeah. and I'm talking about that for my number 3 because every okay. time I watch it I still ask myself the same question why is this performance so funny <laughs> is it the ridiculousness of the song itself or perhaps Lewin Davis's desperation to accept such a ridiculous song in the first place is it due to just, yeah is it due to Justin Timberlake's charm and how he's so unaware of how strange his song is or is it simply Adam Driver's <laughs> bass vocals who probably should have good. garnered an Oscar nomination for simply saying <laughs> Outer <laughs>
0: Space. It's so good.
2: Um, it's so good. I think it's safe and perhaps generic to say that it's all of the above, but it's funny in the way that the Coen brothers always are, and that's in its awkwardness. And this musical performance is one of the most awkward that I have ever seen, and it reeks of desperation from Lewin Davis's point of view, and a charming ignorance from Justin Timberlake's character's point of view. I just, I love that duality. There's more going on here. And it's one of my favorite scenes in the movie and what might be nowadays my favorite Coen brothers film. So please, Mr. Kennedy is my number three pick.
0: Well, this should get really interesting because we all know how much I love Inside Lou and Davis. So, yeah, Eric's bet might be getting hotter and hotter as things go. <laughs> all right, should we get a little more? Should we get a
2: little more specific with it? Should we just focus on the songs themselves or the films themselves?
3: Oh, I, I think it makes sense to have it in context. A okay. song isn't, you know, it exists inside the context of the movie. But right. again, that's you know, this is all depending on what the criteria is exactly, yeah. and 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 your criteria was different than mine i didn't even consider you know the the idea of of, of eliminating pre-existing songs or, or covers yeah. and it's a, that's a great criteria
2: yeah. yeah it's just something i wanted to focus on by yeah. focusing more on the film itself but it's certainly all a matter of subjective taste which is what i wanted to focus yeah. on there anyway i love please mr kennedy let's continue on though so eric what's your number 2 pick oh my gosh <laughs> well Pressure.
3: Strange, strangely enough there's a weird connection to my number three pick with my number two. Okay. Mm. And it is My Way from Sid and Nancy.
0: Okay. Wow. Yeah. My
3: Way and New York, New York, both being very, very famous Frank Sinatra songs. Yep. Um, And the Sid and Nancy version is Gary Oldman as uh Sid Vicious in the greatest performance of his career. mm and he should have won the Oscar for that instead of Darkest Hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is uh, unlike flipping New York, New York on its head. My Way is, is still very much in line with the, the traditional tone of the song. But because mm-hmm. it's Sid Vicious and it's Sex Pistols, mm-hmm. it's such an angry, volatile, just on the edge version of it. And I, I loved that. I loved that. um, Like uh, with Carrie Mulligan, it's not, you know, a, uh, a lip sync. It is him singing. I think his voice is fantastic. Uh, And I, I just, I just love it. I love it in the movie. I, I, I love Alex Cox's direction of that movie so Mm -hmm. much. And so it's, also a movie I've seen like 300 times. It was when I was a teenager, I was very, very thinking that I was like super punk and, uh, <laughs> and you know, thought Sid Nancy was the greatest movie of all time. So I watched it like every day for a year Wow, <laughs> and, man. and became kind of obsessed with it. And, but it's still, uh, uh, a, a movie that has stayed with me my whole life. And that moment, there are a lot of great musical moments in that, Uh, but it's, um, it's, it's just a a performance that I absolutely loved. And it's uh, listening, uh, JD to your number three. Mm -hmm. Another thing I hadn't even considered was just purely musical performances. Everything Mm -hmm. I have is a singing performance because my brain just kind of went there and that was my criteria and, and you know, it's, I realize it's a, a, a limited scope of criteria in doing that. And, and, and it makes me think of all kinds of other things. Yeah. So it's, yeah, th- this, this is, this is great because, you know, maybe we will have nine different things yep. that yeah. all possible, yeah. are offering, offering very different uh, points of view. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and that'll be certainly interesting to see. With regard to Sid and Nancy, though, I agree with you. I think this is one of the best uh, biopics regarding musical biopics specifically that I have personally yeah. ever seen. And it's yes. so rebellious in Alex Cox filmmaking, just like punk music should be. So to call the film very punk aesthetically is very apt. It may be cliché mm. to say, but it really reflects why this film is so strong. Really great stuff there. And
0: one of those blind spots for me, so... Eric mm. and yeah, Lightning, you got me. homework to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, for my number two, Brendan, we can't bring up a topic like this, talking about music and movies, and not mention the name John Carney. So don't do it. He is going to be <laughs> <laughs> here at my number two. I'm going with my favorite film from 2006, his film Once, and mm. I'm going with mm. the music shop scene where uh, Marquetta Orglava and Glenn Hansard play Falling Slowly, um, this is an incredibly, mm. incredibly beautiful moment for me where the girl asks the guy to play one of his original songs. And at first, he's kind of hesitant, mm. but then he relents. And they start going over the progressions of the song. And it is remarkably endearing. I mean, we talked about the chemistry between Cooper and Gaga and A Star is Born. The chemistry between Hansard and Arglova here is incredible as well. Um, and they start playing the song, and it's romanticism manifested musically. Everything yeah. about it is so genuine and sincere. And it resonates because, one, I think the song is great. But secondly, yeah. Hansard demonstrates an enthusiasm for the music that is palpable. Whether that was the first time or the 800th time that he had played that song, he still has the same passion for it. And it shows... Yeah big time. And I love how Erglova gives credence to her character as well, that this is the first time she's hearing it, even though in real life, she's obviously very familiar with the song. But when you watch her character in the moment, she's into the song, but she doesn't have a glowing passion for it because this is that character's first time seeing it. And I love that duality Mm. there. And the way John Carney shoots this scene with the camera is equally as elegant and charming. He simply uh, lets the moment unfold organically and captures the connection between these two characters, whether it be romantic or plutonic. Um, And it feels real. It feels very real. And there's something about the setting of a music shop that I feel like is symbolically appropriate Uh, Two, it's Mm -hmm. a space that's all about music, where the only strings attached are those tethered to the instruments that allow for gorgeous moments like this to occur. So I love Mm -hmm. that it's this small, intimate setting where it's just about the music. It's just about the love for the art and how we as people can connect through that specifically. And maybe my favorite part of the sequence is... The moment near the end of the song when Carney cuts to the music shop owner. The shopkeeper, yeah. Yeah, and he gives this little grin that I think perfectly reverberates how evocative the moment is between Orglova and Hansford there. And I love, love, love this song. I love it (laughs) lyrically, love it musically. I think it absolutely deserved the Oscar that year. So Mm. Once, Falling Slowly, my number two here.
2: And I love the musical spontaneity. Of that scene too, in ways that are still believable with someone's trying to learn this song for the first time, yeah. and it also simultaneously gives uh, Marquette Erglova's character musical credibility, and in the funniest way possible, mm. you see Glenn Hansard holding this C chord, and he goes, "This is a And yeah. She goes, uh, yeah. "Yeah, I could see yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it. <great. laughs> it's perfection, yeah. and I love the way that that's handled. Really great stuff. I expected to see the movie once make this list, at least in some way, shape, or form." Perhaps we're not done talking about it yet, but we shall see. For my number two pick, I'm going back to the year 1991, not terribly far back, but I'm going to another one of my favorite music biopics, and that's The Doors from director Oliver Stone, starring Val Kilmer as one Jim Morrison. And it's interesting. I talked about this movie back when we did our top three movie poets, J.D. I think that was during our review of Patterson, if I'm not mistaken. And I talked about Jim Morrison, and I mentioned their performance of Light My Fire on The Ed Sullivan Show, in which Morrison deliberately yeah. emphasized the word higher when he was strictly told to censor that. And I just yeah. love how rebellious it's of a, a poet great that he seat, was. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I'm actually going to a different performance from a number two pick. I'm going to one of their concert performances of the classic Break On Through to the Other Side. Yeah. And. Yeah. If you're watching this performance, and even if you just pull up a YouTube clip of it and watch it out of context, it still works because as far as concert scenes go, this one is just complete chaos it has such raw rock and roll energy Mm. that you can't take your eyes off of it even when you're aware just how saddening this scene really is jim morrison is here swearing up a storm to the crowd engaging the crowd in such a drug-induced way to the point that the crowd engages him right back storming the stage knocking down speakers putting themselves in immediate danger. And Mm -hmm. I just love the bravery of this scene, how exaggerated it sometimes is. And at the center of it, is Val Kilmer's brave performance. It may be overly exaggerated narratively, but I think it rightfully captures how eccentric and damaging Jim Morrison was as a human being. So the way that Oliver Stone shoots it, the, the, the rawness and how it actually feels very early 1970s in the moment as well, mm. I think just makes it so palpable, which is why I wanted to talk about it here. And on top of it being one of my favorite songs by The Doors, it helps support that as well. So Break On Through makes my number two.
3: That's a great choice.
0: Yeah, it is. This is a great honorable mention for me as well, and I did watch this mm. out of context on YouTube earlier, and yeah. was equally as uh, satisfied by it. This is Good. a wonderful moment. I agree.
2: Yeah, great stuff there. But let's get to our number one picks, our nitty gritties at this topic. So, uh, Eric, back to you. Your number one oh musical performance. If you can, if you can muster. <laughs> it. I know you've been struggling. <laughs> okay. So, so, so something happened during
3: this this last you know a couple of minutes in talking about this Uh and i have a new number one which obviously supplants my number one out of contention and it's break it's breaking my heart to do this Mm. because i it's i want the other one but i'll mention that in the in honorable mentions in a little bit okay but it's uh it's funny i i talk about on my podcast sometimes you know if when i have a guest on and and you know we're talking about predictions and they bring up something or a or a reason for something that they believe in that in that moment I, I will be like, Oh, I totally agree with you. And I had not thought about it in that way. Mm. And I can, you know, I make changes and adjustments in the moment. So I'm making a change and an adjustment in the moment here, uh, by going with a song that is an original song for the film. And I hope this qualifies. And I think that it does. Okay. Um, And it's I've seen it all from Dancer in the Dark.
2: Mm. Ah, okay, interesting.
3: And it's it's really it's it's kind of a tough pick too, because Mm the 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 history behind Bjork's performance and how she felt about Lars von Trier and just him as a as a person is is very difficult to um to look at in a way that is still objective to to this conversation mm-hmm. and, and and what this yeah. is. And it's it's I I don't want to eliminate how amazing Bjork is in the film. So good. How fantastic this song is in detailing what is happening to her character as she goes blind. Mm. And it's also a really really beautiful song. Um there's, you know, the film version is, is her and Peter Stormare, and then the mm-hmm. single version is, is her and Tom York, which is a goddamn great combination. <laughs> um, I mean, my God, that is a great combination. Uh, and it is... It, it's something that takes a movie that is so sad and mm-hmm. heartbreaking... And takes a situation that in real life is pretty sad and terrible, uh, and f- and finds not not hope, but maybe some solace. Yeah. There's a lot of solace in that song, yeah, because it's you know she's kind of resigned to what's happening to her, but it's it's still a joyous moment. Mm-hmm. It's it's really. It's tough. This, 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 it wasn't an easy thing, but I never know it was spontaneous. Sure. uh, Sure. Yeah, I'm, I really, it's, it's, it's quite a moment.
2: Yeah, it's a well-balanced moment emotionally too. There's devastation, but also some melancholy there while also still a lingering of, I wouldn't say a lingering of hope, but you know, hoping yeah. for, for some type of light yes. at the end of the tunnel. And I think that yes. symbolism there is very pertinent. The fact that much of this performance takes place on train tracks too. So to call a light at the end of the tunnel symbolism there, I think is very deliberate too. And yes. this is a movie I was kind of struggling with, with this topic, because you know, there's something about the rawness and grittiness in Lars von Trier's direction here that I almost feel hard pressed not to call this a traditional musical. And we're obviously avoiding traditional musicals for this topic. Yeah. But, there, but I think there's, there's not only a great, area here. I think we can accept it for this one because there is such such a musicality in the way that it's performed that feels very raw and honest in ways musicals normally aren't. So I'm okay with that here. And it's what I did consider for this topic too. A beautiful film, regardless of how damaging the experience was behind the scenes as you laid out there. But objectively speaking, I think this is, it's probably my favorite Lars von Trier film. It's one of those films that ripped my heart out and just showed it to me by the end. And it really gutted me for it.
4: Yeah,
3: yeah. I realize it's a bit of a cheat, and I and I hope it's not too much of one. No. But it just, I it just because it Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, be the first yeah, Don't time. feel ashamed.
0: <laughs> In some ways, I feel like my number one is kind of a cheat as well because technically, the last time I talked about it, we did penalty box it, but mm. I felt like I <laughs> could not not bring it up here, so like I had to talk about it. Okay, I am also going with. Inside Lewin Davis for my number one, but I'm not going with the pick that Brennan went with. I'm going with the moment where Lewin sings, Hang Me. Mm. Um, and I wanted to focus on this particular sequence because, as you know, if you've seen the film, we've talked about this before on the show that Lewin is a guy who is struggling to grieve and cope with life circumstances. He's stuck Mm -hmm. in this never-ending cycle of misfortune, some of his own doing, some of it not. Either way, he's trapped and isn't sure how to pursue anything else but music. But that's really, really difficult when you are as deeply wounded as Lewin is. We find out at some point in the film that his music partner had recently committed suicide and this had a major Mm -hmm. effect on him, which is what makes this song ironic as it lyrically talks about him hanging and being dead and gone. But given Mm -hmm. how much he's struggling, emotionally speaking, it makes the song even more poignant. And it's interesting to me how cathartic it becomes while he's obviously on stage, you know, musically playing the song. And that's the only thing that feels true for Lewin. And the way Oscar Isaac sings it taps even further into those dualities within Lewin to make the moment even more affecting. It's sorrowful, it's solemn, it's a bit despondent, but. Mm-hmm. Lewin is equally as alluring there's an intrigue to him as well because he is a talented musician so despite the fact that it's mournful it's also enticing at the same time kind of like watching a train wreck I guess but I think that's what makes Oscar Isaac so great is how he's able to do both of those things Uh, so impressively. In fact, I loved Oscar Isaac so much in this film as a singer and musician and as a Mm -hmm. stage performer that I equally and selfishly want him to pursue a real career in music (laughs) as well as acting. Oh, he's good? (laughs) He's so great. Uh, The shot compositions... Uh, not just of him in this scene, but the entire film. But when he's on stage singing the song, it's absolutely incredible. I love the gray and hazy aesthetics, the close-ups on Isaac, And the look he gives on his face as he sings this song says everything you need to know about the Lewin character. I could watch Oscar Isaac as this character on stage performing all day and never get tired of it. I was completely transfixed by him in this film. And in this particular moment, I think there's a lot of potency to it because of what it means
2: for Lewin on a thematic and an emotional level. Yeah, the uh, cinematographer here you mentioned there, Bruno Delbanel, I believe his name is. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, who's worked a lot with Jean-Pierre Jeunet. In some ways, kind of like a secondary to the crispness that someone like Roger Deakins is only able to pull off. Really Mm, beautiful shot compositions here. But as far as where the film goes, I completely agree with you. It's even more devastating when the film ends, and this character of Lewin Davis, as you see, really hasn't progressed all that much throughout the film and Mm -hmm. hasn't really moved on all that much from what's actually damaging him internally. You still pity him, but at the same time, you could still acknowledge his faults because of it. And I do love that duality there too. Really great stuff. As I Mm -hmm. said earlier, I only didn't include it because this is an arrangement of traditional folk music and it's technically, I consider it as a cover in this moment. So I didn't really qualify that for my list. But if I did consider this, man, it would have made my topic or my top three rather a lot more difficult. So I'm glad we get to talk about (laughs) Mm -hmm. it here. Really great stuff for my number one pick. I'm going back to the film Once from 2007, so we are going to have a little bit of crossover here on the film, but I'm not picking Falling Slowly for my number one. I'm actually picking a moment that I talked about on a prior top three a long time ago, and I talked about this during our top three musical performances when we reviewed Jersey Boys, if I'm not mistaken, J.D., and specifically that list was meant to focus on musicals themselves so I already cheated a little bit back then by picking when your mind's made up from once on that top three there I feel like it it makes way more sense to include it here on this specific topic which is why I am choosing it here again when your mind's made up the scene in the music studio is my number one pick here and Mm. I'm picking it here again for the same reasons I talked about back in 2014 it's purely subjective on my part. As a musician myself, nothing compares to having a total stranger acknowledge your work with such admiration and sincerity. Watching Glenn Hansard, Marquetta Erglova, and their band perform this song in the studio for Glenn's album, and how the studio head at the mixing board transitions from boredom to complete elation is one of the greatest musical moments I've ever seen in film, at least from the perspective of a musician. And I just, I love that transition. I love how simultaneously the song itself is gorgeous. It's complex. It's one constant crescendo all the way to the end. And I subjectively just love songs that move with that type of increase and that increase in emotionality. I think it's really just quite beautiful. So for all of those subjective reasons, it's something a musician just always loves to see Uh, uh, given to them. So that's why I'm picking here as my number one.
0: Well, and it's interesting, Brennan, because when you first brought this up in 2014, I hadn't seen the film at that time. So I had nothing to offer. (laughs) And now I've seen it. (laughs) So I can say uh, with confidence that I I love this pick as well. I love this entire film. I mean, like I said, it was my favorite film of 2006. So yeah, another great
2: moment from John Carney. Indeed. Absolutely. Um, John Carney is known for having a lot of musical moments himself. So I think that's a great way to springboard into some of our honorable mentions. Eric, I know you have plenty that you want to (laughs) throw out there. So let's start with you.
3: Well, I'll start off with the thing that I that was at my number one that I just unceremoniously ditched. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is uh, Save Me from Magnolia. Oh, Oh, man, which is I you know, I could put it right alongside any sequence of any movie ever mm, made so and be good. like this is the best thing that's ever been um it's already magnolia is already a movie that is full of just bizarreness and biblical proportion craziness mm-hmm. and it's you know it's already long and it's expansive and robert altman would be like this is a long f-ing movie yeah <laughs> and <laughs> And then it pulls everything together with that Amy man song in a way that is in equal parts bizarre silly poignant mm-hmm. heartbreaking beautiful mm-hmm. funny it's it is everything it is it is everything yeah and for a for a movie as crazy as that is to be able to top it off with something that just makes everything else seem slight by comparison sure. is is kind of an achievement.
2: Yeah, and I agree. I,
3: I'm, I'm obsessed with
2: it. Yeah, I agree with that. Another great honorable mention for me as well. Did you have any others you wanted to throw out there?
3: Oh, my God. Yeah, weird stuff. Like, and it, this is only barely a song. It's really like a poem, but I, have, but I really wanted to include it, and that is This Poem Sucks from So I Married an Axe Murderer. <laughs> <laughs> because... <laughs> <laughs> wow oh, i because did not expect me that either i knew that nobody was going to see that coming um and there's just it's a there's a great musicality to it it's a i love the movie it is one of a cult classic for me that i i just am obsessed with i really love that movie mm. um i would also include a mighty wind uh kiss at oh, the end of the rainbow yeah Because that was sort of, that was why I had asked earlier about mockumentaries because it, it, you know, it's a mockumentary about folk musicians, Mm -hmm. but it's, Mm -hmm. you know, they're not, they're not really. So it's, it's, it's its own thing. Uh, So that's, that's like a, that's like a major for me. Um, I love the Here Comes Your Man in 500 Days of Summer. Oh, Um, interesting pick. I love Every Sperm is Sacred in the Meaning of Life. Uh, Monty Python's Mini Yeah, gosh. oh my gosh, um, I forgot about that one. It's, it's it, I this is it's so funny because in my in my honorable mentions, I I reach much further into different styles than I did in my my eventual top three. It's, nice. <laughs> and it's funny because I I will say the the thing that I thought we might all have uh, was going to be the tiny dancer moment from Almost Famous. Mm. Yeah, but oh, okay. it's it's not quite enough. Yeah. yeah, but it is a moment that. You know, like a great musical moment coalesces yeah. and brings everything mm-hmm. together, even if it is just for that moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm and I think it does that really well. Yeah. Yeah.
2: There is some great thematic credence to oh, it big too. Time. It's just one of those yeah. yeah, it's just one of those moments I think is more of a utilization of music rather than a musical performance. And I think we actually yes. talked yeah. about that pick uh, yeah. JD during that specific topic when we talked about utilizations of songs in movies. And yes. I think we talked very much about Almost Famous for that reason. It's a great scene, mm-hmm. really great stuff there. JD, yeah. do you have any honorable mentions yourself? Yeah, as
0: far as a few honorable mentions I also had on here the uh, Johnny Be Good sequence from Back to the Future, mm. uh, Julie Delpy singing to Ethan Hawke at the end of Before Sunset <sighs> is Ooh. very was very close to making this list for me. Um, I mentioned this on Twitter, but the film Frank from 2014 is a weird, bizarre film <gasps> that I love. And the song oh I God. Love You All is great. Hey, uh, <laughs> you cannot forget about Coca-Cola lipstick
2: ring. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Oh my God. Some great oh my God, God, what a great there. choice. Um, yeah. The
0: ending to Born to be Blue, where Chet sings, I've never been loved before. I love, I drive it like you stole it from Sing Street. It was very close to making this list. And yeah, I really could the best original song winner, right? Yeah, exactly. I could have flopped <laughs> that out from falling slowly. I love both of them equally. Yeah. Uh, the rap from the Marcus character in Short Term 12, I thought about. Um,
2: oh, that's oh, great! Cool. The
0: Detroit concert from Straight Outta Compton, I think, is riveting. I consider that here. Um, the Battles in Eight Mile, I also looked at. Uh, Brennan, you mm-hmm. talked about The Doors. I mentioned that as a good honorable mention for me here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ending to Phoenix, where Nina Haas sings Speak Low, I think is really great. Um, Fallen and Flying from Crazy Heart, Jeff Bridges and Colin Farrell. That's just a really fun scene that I really liked. Yeah, A Man of Constant Sorrow from Oh Brother Where Art There, I think is really enjoyable. Same with the ending concert from School of Rock, I get a kick out of every time. Yeah. Um, as far as a few mockumentaries, this is Spinal Tap is an obvious one. Pop yeah. Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping, <laughs> I thought was really fun. <gasps> yes. So I considered that one here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a couple of fun, goofy ones. Um, the Dracula musical from Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I yep. really liked. <laughs> and I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but Poor T. Vorlar A. from Step Brothers.
2: At the end, King uh, <laughs> Catalina <laughs> Wine Mixer is <laughs> a great honorable mention as well. Perfect stuff there. Uh, a lot of honorable mentions that you mentioned there are ones I also had on my list too. There, JD. So thanks for crossing off a few of them for mm-hmm. me here. I will quickly mention some of the ones I chose not to include per my criteria that were cover songs. You know, something like "Johnny Be Good" from Back to the Future, for instance. A few other ones I had here: Bohem- "Bohemian Rhapsody" from Wayne's World, "Ballroom Blitz" also from Wayne's World, mm-hmm. "Afternoon Delight" from anchor man the the riff off from pitch perfect okay um yeah. jim carrey performing jumper from yes man and How uh, 9000 performing Daisy Bell from 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And then pretty much any soul song that was performed in Alan Parker's The Commitments, which I kind of see as like an inadvertent prequel of sorts to John Carney's work in both Once and Sing Street. Even Glenn Hansard has a role in that Irish movie as well. Um, I want to throw those out there because while they didn't, qualify for me they're ones that i know if, uh, would per- perhaps qualify for many other people so i wanted to at least throw them out there but as far as a few other quick honorable mentions that i would have considered not just things like falling slowly or light my fire or even drive it like you stole it no dames from hail caesar oh yeah i almost considered how can i forget <laughs> that was awesome yeah. oh yeah. wow great great stuff there um zach song from school of rock at the end of that movie is one i also considered um The song Blood Pollution from Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg is kind of a subjective pick for me personally. You mentioned Crazy Heart as well, J.D. I had The Weary Kind listed here, Mm. which is one of my favorites from that movie, too. And I'm glad you mentioned Forgetting Sarah Marshall because the spinoff film Get Him to the Greek also has some great ones, too. Mm. I had The Clap uh, listed here, so I wanted to throw some mentions there, Mm. too. You know, I am not. I don't even know if I'm done listing options <laughs> here, but for the sake of time, I think I'm just going to end it right here and let yeah. our listeners out there, let us know what some of your favorite uh, musical performances and movies are, because there's plenty that we haven't even touched yet. Yeah,
0: like I said earlier, I mean, I know that I skipped over a ton. I'm sure we all have. Yeah. So let us know how your picks stack up against ours. You can email us in sessionfilm at
2: gmail.com or leave us a comment on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Alright, coming up next, we're going to take a quick break, but on the other side, we're going to transition from musical performances to remakes as we talk about this week's poll stay tuned everyone we'll be right back
0: Buddy, just want to pause here for a quick second to say a big thank you to everyone that supports the show. We cannot do this without you. Your support does go a very long way. And one way that you can help us out is by leaving us reviews on iTunes. And we got a couple of recent ones that I wanted to take a second here to read real fast, Brendan, if that's okay. I guess. Um, we got a review here from Annan who said... This is one of my favorite podcasts as it covers both details and nuances about the world of film. But my favorite part is how many movies I get to discover by following this podcast. Wow, that is as good as it gets from my end, Brennan. I yeah, don't know it feels about great you, to hear that yeah. that is very exciting to hear. So thank you, Adnan, for that review. We also mm. got another iTunes review from Marcus Irving who said... Inception film puts a lot of production into their show than most and it shows fun audience interaction and laid-back, open-ended discussions. So simple but pretty effective there. Thank you, Marcus, and, and for those reviews. We really do appreciate
2: it. Absolutely. It helps us really run things more efficiently and just you know take constructive criticism where it's due. Sometimes running this podcast is like running a business, very similar to a certain piece of music you may have heard transitioning into this listener support mm-hmm. segment. J.D., yep. my band, Two Rocks Rise, releasing some singles right now. You heard the song Figure It Out there. We'll put some links to check that mm-hmm. out on Spotify and various other outlets because it's something we're very proud of, but running that is just like a business as well. Sometimes you need Mm. a little bit of help when you're doing this type of thing, and that's something that FreshBooks can help for those of us who are out there running small businesses of sorts. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use invoicing software designed to help freelancers and small business owners get organized while also saving time on things like invoicing, while also getting paid faster. Its key features include not just invoicing and billing, but also expense capturing and expense tracking allowing you to neatly store and record your expense history without neglecting any important charges it's really great in that sense but best of all it's not a bloated one-size-fits-all accounting solution and coming from someone like myself that deals in finance for my day job i can definitely relate to this very strongly freshbooks mm. is designed exclusively for small service-based business owners who bill for their time and expertise so they can get organized and get paid whether it be a film podcast Whether it be a rock band, like I'm also doing, they could be helpful for all of that. They are also offering a free 30-day trial to anyone that wants to give them a try. You can go to www.gofreshbooks.com and enter In Session Film in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And not only do we thank them for their support, but we thank you for your support. And I'm sure that FreshBooks will be a great outlet for you for those small business owners out there.
0: Yeah, definitely. So if your headspace is like mine and cluttered with all kinds of nonsense and things (laughs) happening in your life, you need to get organized. FreshBooks is a great way to help you out in that endeavor. We thank FreshBooks for their support. We thank you for your support as well, whether it's leaving us reviews on iTunes, or maybe you just follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Maybe you just listen on Spotify itunes or soundcloud no matter what it is that you do we truly appreciate everyone's support hello geeks and geekheads. i'm steve megatron and if you're looking for a podcast that covers a vast array of geeky topics then check out altered geek altered geek covers superheroes star trek pop culture comics film television animation gaming tech and more So check out Altered Geek and get altered, get geeky with the Altered Geeks every Friday on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, Blog Talk Radio, and the GeekCast Radio Network.
2: You're listening to the Inception Film Podcast. This is episode 294. Now let's talk about this week's poll.
1: It's real bad, okay? I don't like those numbers at all. Just one poll? Those things aren't scientific.
2: Yes, they are.
1: All this is is science. This is
2: math. Alright, so for this week's poll, inspired by our discussion of this iteration of A Star is Born, which, as we've mentioned, is the fourth version of this story on film, we decided to use that as inspiration to ask you all, what is the best remake that's actually better than... Than its original. And there's quite a few we can actually talk about with this topic here, the options that I threw out there. And I'll get a little bit into specifics here. We have The Maltese Falcon from 1941. You have Alfred Hitchcock's The Man Who Knew Too, Too Much, remaking his own film in 1956. Invasion of the Body Snatchers from the 1970s. John Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Scarface from 1983. David Cronenberg's The Fly from 1986. Also from 1986, Little Shop of Horrors. Then you have Michael Mann's Heat from 1995, which many people don't realize is actually a remake of L.A. Takedown a few years prior to that. Mm -hmm. You also have Steven Soderbergh's Ocean's Eleven from 2001. Martin Scorsese's The Departed from 2006, a remake Mm -hmm. of the film Internal Affairs. And rounding out these options here, True Grit from the Coen Brothers, released in 2010. This is a pretty fun one, genie I cannot wait to yeah. get to some of the write-ins that we had here, and even some responses on Twitter, because many responses were for some great remakes, but maybe a little bit of a gray area, whether they're actually better than their respective originals or not, and mm-hmm. that's where it becomes fun to talk about, but with regard yeah. to this poll... Winning at just over 23% is not really a surprise here. John Carpenter's The Thing comes Mm -hmm. out on top. And a film we talked about not terribly long ago, J.D., uh, on on a few past shows. and Not surprised to see it come out on top here. The Coen Brothers film, True Grit, came in second place at just over 16%. Ocean's Eleven at just under 15% came in third place. And The Maltese Falcon rounded out in fourth place with just over 11%. Pretty good results here, but J.D., you said we did get some write-ins for some other options. Too.
0: Yeah, we actually got uh, a few interesting red ins here that mm. I wanted to throw out. One of them just simply saying, any of the above except the departed, which I don't know wow. if that speaks to the original or how much this person doesn't like the departed. <laughs> so, might be both. It could be both. Maybe we're not alone in that film after all, Breddin. Yeah. So.
2: Hey, we still like it. We, yeah, we, 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 we still do, like it.
0: it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, we also got a write-in that said Avatar is a better version of Dances with Wolves. Wow. Thought that was uh, interesting in particular.
3: Yeah, I, but I thought n- Avatar n- was Ferngully. Yeah it's, yeah,
2: it's also Ferngully, but it's also yeah. not a better version of Princess Mononoke. Yeah, it's yes. true. So yeah. I guess that's
0: debatable that, that ra- specific yeah. write-in. Um we got A Star Is Born with Judy Garland. Uh, one person wrote in, Crank 2, high voltage. Can't say I've seen Crank mm-hmm. 2 or Crank, but uh, I'll take that person's <laughs> word for it. And Guilty pleasures. I'm assuming this is our great friend, Tim Costa. He wrote in The Meg. Didn't realize that was a remake. S- well, apparently it's, it's a remake of Jaws. <laughs> yeah, <Good. laughs> clearly. Thank you, Tim, for your sarcasm once again. Yeah. Um, and we also got a few write ins for the ring. So, uh, but thanks to okay. everyone that voted. I think these results turned out more or less what we. Uh, imagine, I think, at least regarding those top four there. Yeah,
2: and we also got some great responses on Twitter, too, and as we kind of yeah. talked about on Extra Film this past week, you know, a lot of those were for remakes that are very good films, such as James Mangold's 310 to Yuma, or even Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, which I think is actually Zack Snyder's best film. Yeah. Um, but there's a great area whether they're actually better than their originals or not, and that's where it becomes dicey, but still, yeah. very good picks there regardless.
0: Yeah, and even though they didn't come in the top four, the Fly, He, and The Departed were very much in the mix there as well for okay. the top five. So overall, the votes, I think, were were scattered pretty evenly across the board. Yeah. Eric, where do you line on this poll?
3: This is really kind of great because I have two things that aren't on the poll, the write-ins or Twitter. So I'm kind of mm. excited about that.
2: Nice. Okay. I mean,
3: because obviously the things that are on that list are, are, are great and they should be. I think True Grit, the remake is better. I think, uh, Okay. I think Hitchcock's, uh, man who knew too much remake of his own film is better than the first. Mm. Okay. Uh, okay. And that's, you know, a lot of times that just has to do with, you know, his original was, is very bare bones and it was before he had much of a career. And so he just had more opportunity mm-hmm. later on. Sure. Um, I yeah. think the thing and oceans 11 are, are better in their, uh, remake versions. Um, mm. Something like Planet of the Apes, even though the direct first remake is not as good.
2: The Tim Burton one, yeah.
3: The the follow-ups to that were uh, better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. But the two things that I have, if I may, (laughs) um, that I enjoy better than the original, and one may be a little blasphemous, and I don't really care, uh, uh, and that is Cape Fear, Okay. Oh, yeah,
2: Martin Scorsese's film.
3: I love the original, and Robert Mitchum is super awesome and super scary. I think mm-hmm. what Scorsese does with the remake, though, is so much juicier and campier in the right degrees, and he he turns yeah. it more into, and especially Jessica Lange's performance, into this, like, tennessee williams horror movie mm. yeah
2: it's 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 kind of funny in a lot of very yeah. creepy ways and i and i think the sense of humor at least it does help distinguish it as something of its own entity with regard to being a remake and i'll at least say that about it yeah
3: it's it, it i like that but my ultimate like remake that's better than the original is little shop of horrors oh, okay. okay and and the, the the corman is is fine and you know it's super super early jack nicholson which is really cool but mm-hmm. the musical r- remake and rendition is just a great, great film.
0: Mm. All yeah, r- all right, really is a lot of fun. And we only got one vote for that on the poll, so yeah. we Where need were more you, people to have represent that for, so. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I should have. I thought
3: that I thought that would have been more. Uh, more recognized so but i'm i'm, I'm not i'm not mm. sad being on the outside of that
2: yeah, yeah that's <laughs> it could be it prefer. could be a film specifically
0: for you yeah. you could take some papers <laughs> yeah. on that i mean and i like a lot of these films that we have listed here on the poll i mean we mm-hmm. talked about the thing a few weeks ago it's hard for me not to maybe toss a vote there but maybe just because it's so much fun and I love what Soderbergh brings to it, but my vote might go to Ocean's Eleven. Sure, I don't know if it's—I don't. It probably doesn't represent the biggest gap. That probably goes to The Maltese Falcon, since a lot of people, you know, claim that as one of the best films of all time. But mm-hmm. I just love Soderbergh a lot as a director. So maybe it's subjective for me, but I just love that film so much. But it's—it's it's hard because yeah. I, I really like a lot of these films here. So I do too. Uh, But anyway, thanks to everyone that voted on the poll this week. We really do appreciate it. Um, And before we round out this week's show, thanks, Eric, for joining us this week, man. It was a huge pleasure to finally get you on the show.
3: Oh, my God. It was a blast. I've had a fantastic time.
0: Great to hear. Uh, Tell us about Awards Watch. I mentioned up front that you do a lot of fun things. People should follow you. So tell us about what you do and where can we find you on the Internet?
3: Uh, you can find me at awardswatch.com. Right now we are deep into uh, uh, the beginning of, of awards season as the, the, the mm-hmm. major falls, fall festivals have, have ended. Um, but there's still a few to go, including AFI Fest next month, which will show us uh, Mary Queen of Scots and On the Basis of Sex, mm-hmm. uh, which, yeah. which had, had not showed uh, anywhere uh, yet. Right. So I'm doing Oscar predictions. I've got monthly official predictions, and then I have Front Runner Friday, which comes out every Friday, and that just kind of is uh, showing any little incremental changes that that can happen during the week. Like last week, we had the trailers for Vice and The Mule come out, mm-hmm. and you know it was it was great to show how much, if any, you know that I- it impacted the the Oscar race. Sure. And you can find me on Twitter at awards underscore watch, and then on Instagram and Facebook at just awards watch.
0: Yeah, definitely go and give Eric a follow the work you're doing is amazing. I love it. I pay attention to it all of the time. And yeah. I'm telling you, you are missing out if you're not following <laughs> Eric on social media. So go and thank check you. out Goodness. his work. Yeah, thank you for being here. Um, with that said, we'll go ahead and round out this week's show. Just a friendly mm-hmm. reminder that you can follow us on social media as well. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just search In Session Film. You'll find us. We're active on Letterbox that letterbox.com slash In Session Film. And of course, you
2: can always email us at Incession Film at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to us directly on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, as well as SoundCloud. But while you're there on iTunes, please leave us a review. We greatly appreciate some feedback over there as well. You can also find us on Spotify. Simply search for In Film in your Spotify search bar, and you'll find us there very easily for your easy listening pleasure. And speaking of easy listening pleasure, our podcasts are also syndicated every single week at GeekCastRadio.com, the PodFix Network, and the Lamb Podcast Network. Or you can simply check out our Listen Now page. Just go to our website at Incessionfilm.com slash listen dash now. And the In Film podcast is supported by our great listeners
0: like you. Once again, if you want to help us, just go to incessionfilm.com. There we got bonus content available for just a small donation of 99 cents. We have the incession film store if you want a fun t-shirt, or you can just go to incessionfilm.com slash donate and you'll see more information there and how you can help us. I would also recommend our mobile app where you can hear everything we do under one roof for just a one-time fee of $1.99. And you can find that app on the Amazon market for Android devices the windows 10 phone store for windows devices and the podcast source set for iOS devices. And all of those details are on the website at incessionfilmcom slash apps. Okay. Let's get to final thoughts. We'll go back to you, Eric. Do you have any final thoughts on anything before we leave today?
3: <laughs> uh, go see a star is born and go see it yeah, with, go. go see it with an open mind. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what I will say because it's, yeah. it's already a big hit. It's going to mm-hmm. be a big Oscar player mm-hmm. and you need to pay attention.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great advice. I will reverberate that as well. As far as other final thoughts for me, JD, normally we have to apologize upfront for when we talk about sports uh-huh. uh, on this show. I (laughs) am not going to do that, but instead I'm going to say I also have to apologize up front because people may get sick of hearing me try and promote my band launching some new singles. Uh, We actually just launched a new single on Spotify. It's called Figure It Out. The band's called Two Rocks Rye, and I just want to promote it on this show, given the subject matter of A Star Is Born being very pertinent to that type of topicality, Mm -hmm. so hopefully you guys give it a listen. We're very proud of the work we've been doing. The band's called Two Rocks Rye. Good alternative 90s-influenced rock music, if that's certainly your thing hopefully you check us out we'll throw some more thoughts about that later
0: yeah absolutely we did feature one of brendan's tracks on this episode and we'll have a link yeah. for it in the show notes if you want to go and listen to it and yeah. i'm a fan i'm gonna say brendan i'm glad to hear it man good stuff yeah, yeah. thank you uh as far as final thoughts for me i will keep mine sportsless as well no drama this weekend <laughs> <laughs> so we're good <laughs> Everything is rocking and rolling. I just want to say actually a big thank you to my wife because we've had a very busy weekend. We had to shuffle some things around and had to get the grandparents involved. And uh, mostly that is to say Sam's schedule is getting more and more complicated these days and my wife Mm -hmm. has a lot of patience with me because I'm still trucking along here doing this in session film thing and I don't know she's one of the few that has patience for you (laughs) yeah I don't know where I'd be without her grace so thank you to my lovely wife and also her parents as well because they've all been very helpful for me Mm -hmm. as things get crazier and crazier these days with the award season ramping up so Uh, Next week should be a lot of fun as well. So thanks, Eric, for being here. Really do appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time on the Incession Film Podcast.